Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, we're going through a tough season in our world, in our country, and I don't know if you realize it, but life is actually full of problems. I don't know if you noticed that. It's full of problems. And wherever you go, you will encounter problems. A man once said to his friend, I've just left 150,000 people who have no problems at all. His friend said, where, where, take me to them. He said, in the cemetery. You see, if you're alive, you're going to have problems. And every miracle in the Bible first started as a problem. You see, all we can see sometimes is our problems, but we need to realize that problems are a precursor to miracles. And when we change our attitude to our problems, we can begin to prepare ourselves for God to work a miracle. I don't know what you're going through right now, the level of your problem, but I do believe that a problem is often used by God to develop us, but problems are also the precursors to miracles. So today I wanna speak to you on how God turns problems into miracles. God turns problems into miracles. The French philosopher Jean de la Brieux said this, out of difficulties grow miracles. Now I know when you're going through difficulties, it doesn't seem like a miracle's possible, but God uses our problems to develop us and they're the beginnings of every miracle. In fact, take note of this, no problem, no miracle. And that's attested throughout the Bible. Even the great apostle Paul had problems and from the problems came amazing miracles. In 2 Corinthians 7, let me remind you of the problems he faced, lest you think that what you're facing today is unique. He says here, we are faced with all kinds of problems. We were troubled by enemies and troubled by fears, things outside and things inside. He says, but God cheers up people in need. And that is what he did when he sent Titus to us. You see, we need to have a right attitude to problems and realize they're an opportunity for God to do something amazing. I found it interesting as I've read the lives of famous people that they often saw their problems as something that God used to develop their lives. Now, before we get into miracles, and I want to home in on one particular miracle, let's just consider for a moment a couple of famous people that some of you would know. For instance, the great John Newton, so famous for his song, Amazing Grace, was once a slave trader, then became a preacher. And he said this, he said, I have reason to praise God for my trials, for most probably I should have been ruined without them. In other words, if God didn't cause certain problems to be allowed in my life, it actually would have ruined my life, but the problems actually brought development and God's blessing. The Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn was put in prison for 20 years and uh, he suffered some terrible things in those Soviet prison camps. And he said of his uh, time in the prison camp, bless you prison, bless you for being in my life. For there lying upon the rotting prison straw, I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity as we were made to believe, but the maturity of the human soul. 
God taught him something through the problem and it led to him becoming one of the great novelists who's inspired people throughout the decades. Now in Romans chapter eight, Paul writing about our problems says that God uses them to develop us. And he says here, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, what we like is we like God to work for us, but God works in us before he works for us. He wants to work for us, but he's not got things that he wants to do in us. So he allows a problem, then he works in us, then he does a miracle and he works for us. Another translation, the J.B. Phillips says of Romans 8, moreover, we know that to those who love God and are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. In other words, God's got a, he's got a developmental program and it works to develop us and to fulfill his purposes. And so we shouldn't freak out at problems. We should really see them as God's development agency and then see them as the precursor to miracles. I read a fascinating story about the sisal plant. It grows in Utica in Mexico in very dry and stony soil. And it's used, if you don't know, for the making of twine, very strong twine for tying up boxes and parcels, being used for many, many centuries. And Americans visited Utican in Mexico and saw it growing in the soil. And they said, you know what? We need to take this plant to Florida, put it under ideal conditions, and we'll get a greater yield because there's money to be made from twine. So they transplanted some plants, planted them in Florida, eventually a massive harvest. The plants grew twice as tall as they normally do. But when it came time to cut the leaves off the plant and to turn them into twine, the leaves just turned into pulp because they hadn't had the harsh and difficult conditions that they usually have in Mexico. So they didn't produce anything of substance. Sometimes we need heat, we need dryness, and we need some problems to end up where God wants us to be. So the question I wanna ask you today is, do you believe in miracles? Because when you face problems, they can cloud out your belief in God and your belief in miracles. And uh, so many people today are, are moving in the direction of what they call science. But I do believe that God confirms science and that we still need to believe in miracles. And you say, well, what is actually a miracle? Because some people say it's a miracle I got paid. It's a miracle I, I've got enough food. Now, those aren't miracles. Miracles need to be clearly defined. And um, Webster's Dictionary says it's an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. I don't know about you, but I think that during the time we've been through, we need God's divine intervention in our human affairs. And I'm sure people are needing him to come through for them in their situations. I found it fascinating that 20 years ago, when Americans were interviewed, they really, really believed in miracles. Today, people are believing in science. But uh, the Newsweek magazine did a poll and way back in 2000, 84% of Americans believe in divine miracles, 84%. 79% believe in the reality of miracles as described in the Bible. That's amazing. 48% have personal experiences with miracles. I do believe there's a large percentage of our church that's had experience with miracles. I've had experience with miracles. 63%, the poll says, know of people who've experienced a miracle, 67% have prayed for a miracle, and 77% believe God or God's people 
can cure sick people who've been given no chance of survival by doctors. Well, 16 years later, George Barner has done a survey and he now says that people still believe in miracles, but what's happening is now 26% of millennials say this, they strongly disagree that God heals people. So we're moving further and further away from what the Bible teaches, but we need to get back to basics because we will always have problems and we'll always need miracles. Now, another interesting thing about the George Barner poll is not only did he poll millennials, but he actually polled doctors, 1,100 of them from different faiths. Isn't that interesting? And this is what he discovered. 74% believed miracles occurred in the past, and 73% believe that miracles still occur today. You see, when a doctor deals with a body, he realizes he actually can't heal or she can't heal. They only facilitate healing, but God is actually the healer and they've seen many people recover. We need to believe in miracles today. And we need to believe that when we have a problem, a miracle is possible because no miracle is possible without a problem. Now just take a moment to stay with me here and let's think about this before we read our key text today. If you think of the Old Testament as Israel journeyed through the wilderness, every problem brought about the miracles we read about. The miracle of the bitter water turning sweet. That's the first major thing after the Red Sea, the first miracle of provision and lack. There was a problem, God performed a miracle, then the manna that fell out of the sky, the quail. And then as you go through the Old Testament, Elijah, he provides for a widow and Elisha, a widow was going to be taken by the creditors, her children were gonna be sold, but the problem led to a miracle. And whenever there's a problem, we see miracles. 20 loaves of bread were pro provided to Elisha for a hundred people. And as he distributed them, a miracle came out of the problem. Naaman the leper, he comes to Elisha because he's, he's a captain of the army, but he's a leper. The problem, and then Elisha performs a miracle and he is completely healed. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter three and verse nine, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Problem, problem, problem. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Now we come to the New Testament and we see exactly the same thing. Whenever there was a problem of a need, problem of lack, then there was a miracle. Jesus had no coins to pay the tax. So a miracle of a coin in the fisher's mouth. They had not enough wine at the wedding. So the miracle of water into wine. There was no food for the multitudes. So the five loaves and the two fish and the numerous other multiplication of food out of a problem came a miracle. There was no sight, there was no hearing, and Jesus performed miracles of health. There was no life in Lazarus, and Jesus raised him from the dead. You say, well, there's no life in my business. There's no life in my income. I'm facing a dead marriage, a dead business, a dead future. Where is God in all this? Well, don't let your problem overwhelm you because God raises dead things to life. And if you're having challenges right now, you need to believe him. Maybe you've had a miscarriage during this year and you're so believing for children. Well, God's the one who takes problems and turns them into miracles. I love what the author Susan McBride said. She said, will I ever again doubt that miracles exist? Not after giving birth to my daughter at 47 without fertility treatments after surviving 
breast cancer. Wow. Do you believe in miracles today? Let's home in on one of the most well-known miracles in the Bible and see some principles here from the story. It's the miracle of the water into wine from John chapter two. And just like the water into wine, it corresponds with the first miracle in the wilderness where water was turned from bitter to sweet. And you know, it says after three days in Exodus 15, they got to the waters of Marah. In most translations, it says after three days, Jesus went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The translation I'm using here says the next day because it's following consecutively, but it was also three days. So there's often a parallel between Old Testament and New Testament. And here was this amazing miracle. Bear in mind, Jesus was the lamb that took them out of Egypt and, 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 and caused them to become a new people. And then the water became sweet. And Jesus is the lamb of God in John's gospel. And now in chapter two, the water is turned into wine, and in a moment I'll tell you why it was turned into wine. John chapter two, and reading from verse one in the New Living Translation, let's read it together and you can follow on the screen. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Christians need to celebrate. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. Not our problem. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Very important phrase, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Notice this, each one holding 20 to 30 gallons. They were big ones. In some of the paintings you see, they were tiny ones. Now Jesus didn't turn water into whiskey, he turned it into wine, and between 800 and 900 liters were produced that day. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Can you see sometimes ordinary obedience can bring about miraculous things? When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. But when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cain and Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. They say in those days that a wedding celebration would last seven days. If it was like that today, we wouldn't get any work done. But it lasted seven days, and if you ran out of anything, it was highly embarrassing because the bridegroom was meant to supply, and it was meant to be a celebration, a break from work, a focus on the couple, and a celebration of marriage, a wonderful thing between a man and a woman. And uh, you'll notice here that not everybody knew about the miracle, only the servants who had put the water into the jar. And I wanna say this, a lot of miracles occur not just in church services, they can occur in your home with the problems you're facing and not everyone would even know about it but God still works miracles because he's trying to deal with you. He's not trying to create a spectacle. Miracles are not to create a fanfare and a spectacle. They're to get us to focus on the God of the miracles. They are signs that point to Jesus. 
And the reason the water is turned into wine is Israel was the bride of God. And what had happened was they had lost their relationship with him and they'd only resorted to external things like washing. Those pots were for the washing of the external, but they had no inner joy or relationship. And this first miracle signified God wanting his bride back and he's wanting joy to come back into the life. So that's the kind of spiritual significance. But I want us to have a look at this wedding and this miracle, how do problems become miracles? Because there's some keys in the passage, seven keys that I want us to look at that we can cooperate with God and follow so that we can turn our problems into miracles. Number one, the first one is miracles happen when we know who Jesus really is. When you really know who Jesus is, you can go to him and it can be the beginning of a miracle. You know, his mother knew who he really was. She had a revelation when she fell pregnant and she had seen as he grew up the hand of God upon him. Had he done miracles in the home? It's always been an issue of speculation. The Bible says this was his first miracle, but she must have seen things upon him, known the divine timetable, and then stepped in and kind of pushed him along. He wasn't just another guest, another person with some ability to teach. No, he came to do miracles. And when you know Jesus is alive today and can do miracles on your behalf, chances are you'll go to him. Remember, Jesus is raised from the dead. He is alive today. He's not just sitting in heaven on a couch waiting for the end of days. He's actually actively involved in our lives, working through the Holy Spirit. And uh, we all have problems, but we must know who to go to rather than focus and exaggerate our problems. In John chapter three, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he makes a declaration about who Jesus is. And I wanna mention this to you today because sometimes we forget. We think that Jesus is just a teacher, but Nicodemus makes this dec declaration. It says, one night he went to Jesus and said, sir, we know that God has sent you to teach us. You could not work these miracles unless God were with you. Can you see? We know you teach, but that's not all you came to do. And sometimes we can just go to the Bible and look for the teaching of Jesus. In fact, we need to be looking for his present day ministry and his working. And I wonder, have you experienced the miracle working power of Jesus? Because when you go to him, it's amazing what begins to happen. We've experienced numerous miracles in our lives. I remember once telling the story about a double bed we had and it had drawers in the bottom and no one had been up to our bedroom. We even had a cell group in our home, but no one had been to our bedroom over weeks. And one day we opened it up, we had stored things in there and there were 100 rand notes laid out. Someone had provided, we were in need at the time and God had performed a miracle. We don't know how it happened. We don't know how those notes got there but we know Jesus did it because we were serving him and trusting him and we went to him in prayer for all our needs. There's a Christian author by the name of Dr. Linda Mintel and she and her husband were driving once from Michigan all the way to Virginia, some 960 kilometers and they were going to celebrate Easter with the grandparents and they had their two children with them in their van and their dog and uh, it's a long way to drive. And so they stopped at a petrol station, a self-service petrol station. And uh, you put your card in and you put your petrol in. And it was four o'clock in the morning. And uh, as they finished up and wanted to drive on it, the, the snow was beginning to fall. The van wouldn't start. 
and here they are, four o'clock in the morning, there's no one around, the petrol station's closed, only the pumps are working, they don't have a number to call a breakdown truck, and the snow's beginning to fall, it's freezing cold outside, and the husband said, come, let's pray, and uh, they laid their hands on the vehicle, and they prayed in the name of Jesus for the vehicle to start, and then he tried, and nothing happened, and then he said to the, the family, to his wife and the kids, said, come, let's pray again, and let's really believe that God will help us, he lives and he said this, he lives and he's here with us right now. You see, God's not just in heaven. Jesus is with us by his Holy Spirit. And as they laid hands on the van and they prayed, it started. They drove all the way to the grandparents. And as they drove into the driveway, the van cut out. And uh, she says, we pulled into the driveway early in the morning. There the van died, but God got us safely to grandma's. I don't know where you're heading in your life but I know God can restart your business, your marriage and your life and he can get you to where you want to go if you turn to Jesus and know who Jesus is. The beginning of miracles is turning to the right person. That's how the water was turned into wine. The second key that we discovered here is miracles happen when we cooperate with God. That miracle wouldn't have happened unless they did what Jesus said. Miracles aren't accidents. They happen when God speaks, we obey his word, and sometimes the basics, like put water in the jars, they did exactly what was said, even though it sounded simplistic. Then they created the catalyst for a miracle. And we have a part to play if we want to see miracles. If you study all the miracles in the Bible, people had to do something before a miracle came about. When Jesus put mud on a man's eyes, he told him, go to Siloam and wash. If the man didn't go and wash, he wouldn't have experienced the miracle. The blind man called out to him. He said, come here. If he didn't come, he wouldn't have got healed. When he told the lepers, go show yourselves to the priests. If they didn't go, they wouldn't have been healed. The handing out of the loaves and the fishes. Jesus brought the five loaves. They give it to me. And he lifted it up to heaven. As they gave it to him and as they handed it out, the miracle took place. Naaman the leper had to dip in the Jordan seven times. In his mind, he thought it was stupid, a dirty river. There are better rivers where I live, but he had to cooperate with God and the word through Elisha, then he would have got healed. The widow in Second Kings, she had to pour the little oil she had into empty jars and as she cooperated with God, she saw a miracle. What is it that God is saying to you that you need to do? Because you can't just sit and wait for a miracle. You can't just complain that there are no miracles. You can't just focus on your problem. You have to cooperate with God. What is he saying in his word? You need to do it. Now you'll remember in Luke chapter five, the disciples were in business, just like many of you are. And uh, they had fished all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus said to them, cast your net out in the deep for a catch. And uh, these experienced fishermen knew business. They knew fishing. I mean, this is, this is their trade. This is a rabbi. He's a teacher. But this is what uh, Simon answered Jesus in Luke chapter 5. He said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. You see, because God's word says so, we need to cooperate with it. We need to do what the Lord says. We need to keep working. We need to keep moving forward. We need to keep confessing Jesus, keep trusting in faith, keep serving, keep giving our tithes and offering, keep doing everything in the face of our problems 
Now when we cooperate with God and we know who Jesus is, suddenly we create the opportunity for a miracle. We always need to do something so that God's got something to work with. I was reading about a man who God spoke to when he was just a young man. He's now a pastor with his wife of a church, Faith and Fire Ministries, Pastor Taylor McCaffrey. And he tells a story of his life. He says, I went from being an alcoholic teenage preacher's son to sober like an off switch at the age of 21 after five years of heavy drinking. People say, well, gee, what happened? He says, I'd gotten saved at five and grew up in the church. But as a young teen, I just had a rebel bone in me and I got addicted to alcohol. I stayed drunk. On my 21st birthday, I'd been drinking about eight hours straight and simply heard the voice of the Holy Spirit inside me say, either do what I've called you to do, or I will not continue wrestling with you. It sounded so stern, however, so loving. I was instantly sober. That doesn't just happen. By the grace of God, I'm still sober years later. Praise the Lord. You see, God spoke, and he cooperated with God, and a miracle of sobriety came. And he broke that alcohol's hold on his life. I don't know if alcohol's got a hold on your life. Maybe during lockdown, you've been drinking a lot more and maybe you realize I've got a challenge. Well, God can turn problems into miracles if we do what he says. Number three, the third key today is what we have as a direct impact on a miracle. You know, God needs something to work with. When Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes, He had five loaves and two fish. He had something small to work with to feed the 5,000 men beside women and children. And when the widow uh, poured the oil into all the empty jars, she had a little oil with which to work with. God always needs us to do something. Uh, and, and, And that really speaks about what have you got that you can use, that God can use to make a miracle in the midst of your problem? Can you pray? Can you worship? Can you still work? Well, keep working, but it's, I'm not bringing enough money. Now keep working. Can you keep giving? Well, keep giving. If you do what you're supposed to do and bring what you're supposed to bring, then it's a catalyst for a miracle. They had no, nothing near wine, but they had jars. They had water. They obeyed. They knew who Jesus was, and it created the catalyst for a miracle. You've got to keep doing and bringing something to God, then he can perform a miracle. Our work, our study, our activity is the catalyst for a miracle. I was reading about Pete Bergen and his wife, Zarea, and they had completed 20 years of marriage, but they had tried unsuccessfully for 17 of those years to have a child. And all they had was miscarriage after miscarriage. And he says, uh, after the most devastating miscarriage that they had, he had a dream of a little girl sitting on his chest and uh, looked, looked at him in the dream and said, by the Spirit of God. And then he woke up and uh, he said, six years passed and his wife still wasn't pregnant. They still hadn't had a baby. She was almost 40. And uh, so they made an appointment with a local fertility clinic and thought, well, let's try and do something and uh, see what happens. And uh, they went there, they sat there for two hours and they weren't helped and they, they, they decided to leave totally frustrated. And he said when he got in the car, when they left that fertility clinic, he turned to his wife 
And he said to her, you know, I want you to take a test because I think you're pregnant. And she said, well, no. And anyway, she agreed. So she went to one of the cheapest, what they call dollar shops in America, where you could buy things really cheap. And she bought a pregnancy test kit. And lo and behold, she was pregnant. And they went to the doctor. And the doctor confirmed it. And uh, she had the most wonderful pregnancy. And they delivered the most beautiful, beautiful baby girl. Now, the thing is here is you're saying, well, what do you mean? Well, their miracle came about because they continued. They continued. They, he says, uh, we had fun trying. You've got to do something. You can't just sit and say, well, God, make my wife pregnant. It's not like the Virgin Mary. We've got something. We've got to obey. We've got to do something with what we have. We've got to give. We've got to work. And then miracles become possible. Don't let your problems so overwhelm you that you become inactive. Let me lead into that with point number four. The fourth thing, the fourth key, is what we believe and expect releases miracles. You know, a lot of people say, I'm waiting for a miracle. But uh, there's an old saying, uh, expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. You, you can't just wait in a vacuum. You've got to have an expectation. You've got to have faith. Faith is what brings about miracles. And sometimes we can, we can lack faith because we think, well, God will never do it for me because I haven't been living the way I should. I love this verse in Galatians. This should put you at ease. Paul writing to the church says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. You've got to believe in miracles. You can't say, oh, we're praying. Who knows? No, we're facing a challenging time in our world and many people are facing some serious problems. But one of the things, ingredients that we need for miracles is to really, really believe God. You, say, well, you know, in the world we live in today, the scientific world, are miracles possible? Do you believe that, you know, God parted the Red Sea. I mean, you know, aren't those just stories in the Bible? Just let me say this for a moment. Many years ago, 1956, Cecil B. DeMille, the, the great producer of movies at the time, he made a movie called The Ten Commandments. And uh, that movie was amazing. It's the story of the journey of the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And what he did was he took a massive big dish of gelatin and then he blasted a fan onto it and the fan parted the gelatin and then he overlaid the people walking in the desert over that and it looked just like they were walking through the Red Sea. Now here's the thing, if a movie maker can make something look real, surely the God who created those things can actually do them on our behalf. But it's up to us to really believe because problems can sometimes dampen your faith and take away that desire where you believe. We've got to believe that God still works miracles today. He worked miracles in the New Testament through the Apostle Paul. The Bible says he did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul and God can still do miracles today. And miracles are often dependent on our faith. In Mark chapter six, Jesus went to his hometown and it says he there could not do any mighty miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people. Not he would not do, he could not do because really we need an atmosphere of expectation and faith. It releases miracles. You know, prayer shows our faith and not just quick short prayers, but praying on an ongoing basis shows we really believe that God can do what we can't do. I wanna tell you as I wrap up this point about a couple Tiffany Youngblood Gilliam and her husband Shane. 
committed Christians. He's a volunteer youth worker at their local church. And one day she called and told him that their young son had been involved in a car wreck. And uh, she was quite shocked. And I want to relate to you. She says, I asked if Braden would be okay. My husband had no response, which alarmed me terribly. She said, I was waiting for my parents to drive me to the hospital and I felt helpless. But I dropped to my knees and I began praying. Then I started phoning everyone I knew and asked for prayer and they called other people. So she had a whole lot of people praying, plus she was on her knees praying. She said, when I arrived at the hospital, my husband was crying in a way that I'd never heard a man cry. He didn't want me to see Braden. When I did, it was terrible. His head was caved in on the right side. He had blood coming from his ears, his eyes, his nose, and his mouth. And his pelvis appeared to be completely crushed. His catheter was full of blood, which means internal bleeding. And the doctors told us the prognosis looked very grave, that he might not make the flight to the big hospital that they needed to take him to. The thought of placing my baby on a helicopter, she says, by himself was just more than I could handle. The pilot asked if I wanted a ride, which is not usually what is allowed. And I held onto my little boy's arm and prayed during the whole flight that God would heal his broken little body. I told God I knew Braden was only on loan to me, but I wasn't ready not to be his mommy. I fully trusted God that he would take care of my baby boy. When we landed, everything was so fast paced. I was placed in a little room by myself and there I just continued to pray. After an eternity, which was actually only about 40 minutes, the doctor came into the room and he seemed to be in shock. He said all the x-rays and tests had been done and my little boy didn't have a broken bone in his body, no internal bleeding. He was bruised and banged up very badly, but the doctor said, I can't explain what happened. I thought I was going to be telling you that there was nothing we could do, but instead I get to tell you that you're very lucky. I said, we're not lucky, we're blessed. Our God saved our little boy. When we finally got to see him, his head was no longer caved in. He did have to be bed bound for two weeks, but it was nothing we couldn't handle. When we went for a checkup, our family doctor cried and he hugged Braden and he said, I prayed so hard, I never thought I would see this little guy again. God is so good, Braden is our little miracle boy. Well, there was a problem, but then there was faith. There was expectation. They went to Jesus, they prayed, they waited on God and expected a miracle. And because of faith and because of turning to Jesus, a problem became a miracle. Let me do the last three quickly. Number five, a miracle usually leaves us better than before. When Jesus turned the water into wine, they said, you've kept the best until now. Man, you know, when you're facing a problem, sometimes you can think life is just gonna get worse from here on. But sometimes when there's a problem, what happens after that is a miracle and then your life is better than it's ever been. And that's the way God works. When Naaman went and dipped in the Jordan, you know, the Bible makes a very interesting statement. And it says this, it says his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So Naaman was once leprous, he had a massive problem, but now he comes out better than before. And often when Jesus performed miracles, people were better off 
than before. They had little wine. Now suddenly they have between eight and 900 liters of the very best wine. When the people had no food, Jesus multiplies the five loaves and the two fish and afterwards 12 basketfuls are collected. We need to believe that beyond our problems, here is a miracle and we can be better off after the miracle than we were before the miracle. Your business can be better after COVID as we trust God for a miracle in the years and the months ahead. Your life, your marriage, your mindset can be better than it's ever been before. Number six, miracles are where God does quickly what would take years. I love miracles because things happen instantly. The water was turned into wine. And you know, to make wine is a long process, especially very good wine. It has to lie. It takes months and years. But here Jesus did it in a moment of time. And this is my point today. We have problems. It seems like it's gonna take years to get out of these problems. But sometimes God, when we trust him, when we turn to Jesus, when we do what he says, he can make this thing happen quickly and our recovery can be swift, can be even miraculous. And number seven, miracles are signs to point us to Jesus. They're not just meant to be spectacular so we can talk about them. They're meant to point us to the Savior. At the end of John chapter two in the story of the miracle of the water into wine, it says, and then his disciples believed in him. You know, miracles are to cause us to believe in and to trust God and to draw closer to him. Miracles aren't meant to be spectacular. They are spectacular. But even that miracle of the water into wine happened in a home and few people knew about it. I'm believing that you will turn to Jesus as he does miracles so that when your next problem comes up, you're not overwhelmed by it, but you say, you know what? Being there, done that. Being through problems, God developed me through them. And even when the problem came and I was being developed, it was the catalyst for a miracle. Probably one of the greatest miracles as I wrap up today is the miracle of conversion because our hearts get changed, our status gets changed and it's a miracle that only God can do. But we have to cooperate, we have to come to Jesus, know who he is, he's the savior and then say yes Lord and then fully expect by faith that it can happen. And then God does suddenly what would normally take years of character development. He begins to work in a person. The great church father, Augustine, said this. He said, I never have any difficulty believing in miracles since I experienced the miracle of a change in my own heart. God specializes in turning problems into miracles, in turning the old life into new, and in taking us forward into a completely different way of life by his Holy Spirit and through his son. If today you're believing for a miracle, I wanna pray for you. And I want you to trust God that in the midst of your problem, God can turn it into a miracle. He can do it quickly, but you have gotta get your eyes on Jesus. You have gotta fully trust in him. You have gotta do what he says in his word. You gotta give him something to work with. And then you gotta realize God will leave us better off. He does things quickly and our eyes need to stay on Jesus as we discover God's power in the miracle. It's believe him today for miracles in your business, your marriage, your family, your body, your mind, your life, your finances. God can get us through this thing and cause us to recover quickly on the other side if we trust in Jesus. Now, as we come to a close, before I pray with you, I want to just speak to a group of people. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, you need to cooperate with him to experience the miracle of salvation. 
And you know, when you do, Jesus comes in and your life is transformed. You're forgiven of your sins and you get the gift of eternal life. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You have to do something to get the miracle of salvation. Not just go to church or read your Bible. No, those are things that happen afterwards. First thing is to believe that he's the Savior and the Son of God. You know who he is. Then come to him. Then cooperate with him. Say, Lord, have your way in my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Not just someone I believe in. I kind of been interested. No, no, you're my all in all. And as you do that, God begins to work and begins to change. But you can invite him in. So I'm going to pray now. Believe for your miracle and believe for Jesus to come into your life. Pray this simple prayer with me as I pray from my heart today. Father, thank you for everyone responding to your word today. Pray especially for people believing you for miracles. They're facing huge problems. But today, grant them that miracle as they trust you in the midst of their problems. For those coming to you today, open their hearts, Lord. Cause them to put their trust in you, to believe in you, and to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that people would discover the miracle of a changed life. Not just an agreement with what they've heard, but a changed life. Come into their lives, transform homes and families and individuals. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.